It's a little different this week. Almost every week we, uh, well really we, we like to be in the Word and, and expounding the Word and uh, applying the text of Scripture and yet this week we're looking at our six core values and it feels a little, little weird to me honestly. Preparing for this, the way we go about this feels a little different um, and, and yet that's what we're doing today and uh, so that's what we're doing. Uh, it did make me think, I started looking back, uh, at, you know, kind of some of the early sermons we had in, in the life of Manhattan Press, and it's hard to look back, we're only two years into this. Uh, so our first worship service was uh, October 6th, 2013, uh, and on that day we actually began a nine-sermon series that went through these core values that we're going to look at just today. Uh, so you can imagine it, it's being kind of condensed down just a bit. Uh, that's kind of what we're looking at in this situation. Unless you want to stay here all day, we can do that, and I don't think you want to. Um, but I, I will say this from the start. If you have questions, we're not going to be able to exhaustively cover these. Uh, I would love to sit down and chat further uh, if you'd like. You can also access those nine sermons. They're on our, our uh, website. You can get those on your phone or your computer, whatever you use to connect to the interwebs today. Um, as I looked back, though, I, I found it interesting, uh, looking back at some of those early sermons, the, the very first one... Uh, began with an illustration or a story about the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Any of you that were there that day, do you remember what that was an illustration of? Anyone? Raise a hand. Look like you have no idea what I'm talking about. All right, don't feel guilty. I didn't either, and I'm the one who preached it. So um, anyway, you'll have to look back. Uh, If you want, go listen to it. You can find out what the Leaning Tower of Pisa has to do with the very first worship service we ever had. Uh, but that's it. So we are going to start with the text. We're going to start with the text in Mark six, four, six sorry, Mark four twenty six. Uh, so open your Bibles there, and we'll get there in, in just a minute. Uh, but uh, this text for us as a church has kind of been uh, a theme verse. It's something we looked at, and it's been an encouragement to us uh, long before we ever ever began this this work. Uh, and, and you see what's happening there is it's in the Gospel of Mark and. And Jesus is telling this story, and it's a story about a farmer. And this farmer has this, this odd way of farming, this odd way of cultivating his crops. And, and you'll see here, Mark, uh, you know, I'll begin reading it. Jesus says in Mark 4.26, and we'll go four verses into the future or into the text. It says, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. The grass withers and the flower fades. Let's pray. Father, we can love if you have loved us first and we see all over your word that you have indeed loved your people you've loved your your church so much so that we are called the bride of christ thank you for loving us thank you for giving us a mission and a role in your work of redemptive history as as we simply proclaim the truth that you set captives free So as we look at these six core values, God, I I ask that you would give us collectively as a covenant community uh, a vision for what it means to live with a simple goal uh, of seeing your gospel change our own lives and seeing your gospel impact Manhattan and Fort Riley and K-State and the surrounding area that you have placed us in. 
We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So I said that Mark 4.26 is a theme verse for us. Uh, and it's also one of the places in Scripture where we begin to see uh, in God's Word uh, one of our very, first, our, our very first core value that we list here. We list it as being dependent upon ordinary means of grace. How many of you have heard that phrase before? Okay, looks like most of you have. I'm going to explain it to you. The term means, as defined uh, in the dictionary, says this. It's the, the action or the system by which a result is brought about. We're talking about the means by which grace is brought about. And you see, um, it's this simply put, uh, just as God has designed that a plant will grow by water and by sunlight, so God has ordained that the people of God begin and grow and are transformed through simple God-ordained means. And those God-ordained means are these. um, God's word, the sacraments, which is baptism and the Lord's Supper, uh, and prayer amazing things not exciting explosive firework things but amazing things and that's the way god works and so by making a commitment to that as a church to the means of grace we're saying that we're uh, we're going to avoid looking at marketing strategies or trendy movements uh, or great hype uh, as, as a plan for spiritual maturity and instead we're going to rest in what god has ordained as a means of spiritual growth for his people And these means here are called ordinary, not because they're without power, but because this is how God has ordinarily transformed his people. And believe me, one of our our greatest desires as a a church, our greatest desires here for Manhattan Press, is to be a healthy congregation. um, That all of us grow and are flourishing. Um, And and so that's the reason that we're going to seek to be a church that is uh, where the means of grace is found plentiful. Okay? What that means is we want to be a church who is scripture-saturated, sacramental ser- or sacrament-serving, and prayer-soaked. That's a desire of us. And I hope that you see that. You see it in our liturgy, that you see scripture throughout, that you see it in everything we do, if you see it in our lives during the week. Uh, and that's our hope. And if you ever see us getting away from that, we're getting away from these core standards, these core values, and, and you're welcome to, to confront us on that because we're making a commitment that the means of grace, the word of God, prayer, and the sacraments is a foundational aspect for us. Uh, the second core value here is that we state as living in covenant community. Uh, when we say that we seek to be a covenant community, we're saying that we desire to be a community that is committed to the growth, to the provision, to the care uh, of all of its members. Uh, all who are united to each other by virtue of our being united to Christ through faith. In, in essence, it's, it's children of God who are united in this local church body here. Um, and, and now as the scripture tells us, there are things that we should be doing for each other as fellow partakers of God's covenant of grace. And the first and the foundational one is, is love. It's vague, it's simple. Uh, this call that we are to love each other. John 13, 35, Jesus says, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Most of you know this, if you have love for one another. See, we desire to be a church that is known for our love for one another. To, to be what we see in Galatians six ten, which says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. 
And so as you think about how to get on board with this, uh, let me encourage you this, uh, just to, to think about the question you ask, and it's this. Ask more the question of how am I loving my brothers and sisters in this covenant community? Ask that question rather than the question of how have they loved me? And I say that because our, our natural and I think often sinful way of considering this is to wonder, when will they invite me for a meal? When will they take me out for coffee? When will they watch our children so we can go out? And I, and I warn us about this because you need to understand that you are this community. And so look for ways that you can actively love and actively serve your covenant community to be a part of, of really what makes this just a wonderful, amazing, great family. And I'll, I'll tell you this, I, I think we've done a great job. It's not to say we haven't missed things here or there, uh, but I think you've done an amazing job. I, I get to hear feedback more than you get to hear it, um, positive and negative. Uh, but I also get to hear some amazing things on positive feedback when people come in or visit and they share later on. And, and, and one of the things that new people often say is, is how amazing the fellowship here. Uh, one person even commented, they said, you can tell you all really like each other. And the emphasis was on that really as if mostly we should just pretend to do so. Uh, you can tell you, you really like each other. Uh, and I hope that you continue to do this. Continue to invite people into your homes. Continue to, uh, to when you go out to eat, invite people to go with you. Continue to, to make this fellowship. Because I'm telling you, we can't from top down, we can't from leadership make this happen. It only happens if you get on board and realize that's the kind of community that we want to, to have, that we want to foster. And you've done an amazing job. Keep it up. Um, and so I'll encourage you, if you're ever doing something, going somewhere, and you want to open it up to others, by all means, send out a text, send out an email. We're going to have our, our directory sent out to you again in the email. If you haven't signed up for that, do so. Make sure you get it. Uh, if you want, you can post it on our Facebook page. Not everyone has Facebook, but feel free to do so. Um, and, and the truth is, we don't have a bat signal. If we did, we would just fire that thing off, and everyone knows, you know, show up at so-and-so's house. We're doing this. Um, but it, all of that, if you want to organize a party, uh, we love that. Uh, by all means, talk to me. Let's do that. We love and, and we desire to see grassroots fellowship uh, that is coming from the congregation. And so uh, let me just mention one more thing here. We all need encouragement when it comes to covenant community in this sense. This is one of the ways we can really serve each other, really encourage each other. Uh, and so look for ways that you might go to care for each other. Simple text, a phone call, show up, um, a gift, whatever it might be. And, you know, call someone, ask them, how can I pray for you? I think that's that's one of those, those things where we're, we're really good at, at fellowshipping. Let's, let's take it to the next level where you realize, you know what, I'm praying for people. And if I don't know how to pray for them, I need to talk to them. I need to find out how I can pray for them. Uh, maybe someone's facing a tough time. Maybe you can carry a little of the weight of life that is on their shoulders at that moment. Look for those opportunities. And the flip side of that is if you're having a rough time, if you're struggling, if you feel like there's just too much weight on you, don't be afraid to ask someone in the congregation. Don't be afraid to ask for help when you need it. Don't let pride keep you from giving another person in this covenant community the joy of serving and caring for you. Um, also, you might simply send a note of encouragement. You'd be surprised how much a card in the mail occasionally will get one. Um, and it's, it's just words written. Uh, I won't call you out who does this very often, but you do an awesome job at this. Uh, and it's just a joy to get these cards in the mail that have some encouraging words. Uh, do that. These are little ways that we can show love for each other. Uh, really, it comes down to just being actively appreciative of those in this covenant, com covenant community that, that God has given you to interact with. Uh, and our third core value is participating in, in worship and Sabbath. 
Um, I went with the order that we've had these in traditionally. If I go back, I'd put this probably number one, at least number two. Um, because worship is at the center of everything we do. See, we've got book studies during the week. We've got small groups. We've got fellowship events. And, and all those things are wonderful. We get to gather together and we learn. And, and we do it because we think this is a, a, a ways to, uh, to disciple. Um, but really, the main thing that we do is, is to worship the person of God. Uh, to gather together as the people of God and worship the person of God. And I tell you this for two reasons. Uh, one, um, it's that we have other ministries, and I think it's easy to feel the, the weight that you're supposed to be there. Okay, I'm saying this on one side. Uh, we have these things. It's easy to think, you know what, there's a book study going on, and I should be there. Uh, let, me, let me set you at, at ease. Um, you are not expected to be at everything. You're just not um, we provide the men's and the women's book studies and the parish groups for discipleship, for fellowship, but if they don't fit your schedule, that's okay. Don't carry a weight that no one is asking you to carry. And, and the second reason I tell you this is, be, is that corporate worship is very important. I don't know if we always understand that, and we, we want you to make this a priority in your life. Uh, we understand you travel, we understand you get sick, we understand there are good reasons to miss. This is not, again, not putting a weight on you. But, but we want you to understand, don't pencil in corporate worship. Write it in pen. Make it a reoccurring event on your calendar app, if that's how you do it. Plan to be here with the people of God, worshiping God. Plan to sing to God. Plan to come and confess your sin. Plan to, uh, to be reminded of the grace that we have in Christ. Plan to look in the eyes of your fellow Christians. Plan to, to welcome new people, to show them hospitality. Plan to come to the Lord's table. Come plan to hear the gospel week in and week out because truth is we need to be reminded of it week in and week out we need to come in here frustrated and disappointed to be reminded of the grace and the mercy that we have in Christ you might also notice in that phrase it's participating in worship see we've designed the service so that you are participating in it uh, there are responsive reading there are songs that are designed to be easily sung we sang a new one today you might not be familiar with it the more we sing it, the more familiar it becomes. Um, but they're designed to be sung by the whole congregation. We confess our sins together. It's something we do together, something you participate. Uh, actually coming up to the Lord's table, that's intentional, that you get out of your seats and, and you physically come to the table of the Lord. Uh, in two weeks, you know, we're going to be meeting in this room still, uh, but it's going to be at 9 o'clock in the morning. And, and as we look back on that, I think 4 p.m. has been a great time. We've gotten used to it. It's been a blessing to so many of us as we have gotten used to it. Uh, and, and really, though, just thinking through that, it's, it, we've been looking forward to, to worshiping in the morning since the first day we began. And, and I, for one, am so excited to begin Sunday's worshiping with you um, for a couple of reasons. One is that it's early in the morning. Everything hadn't begun. I haven't found myself frustrated in life yet. And just to begin a day with the people of God worshiping him and then going out of that, uh, that nourishment is something I am so looking forward. Uh, and the other part of that you're going to see here is this, this term Sabbath. Sabbath means rest. Uh, we want Sundays to be restful for you, for your family, uh, to rest in Christ when you come to worship, to, to rest in that day as you slow down. Uh, this is one of those things you get into. You can really like go on forever talking about the Sabbath and how you put them into practice. I'll say this. Uh, 
how you put the Sabbath rest into practice is a very important thing in your life uh, as far as nourishing you, giving you the rest for the week. If you want to talk further about what that looks like, I'd love to sit down and help you think through what would, what would set this day apart as a day of rest for us. Uh, our first core value is eager, fourth one is eagerly making disciples of Christ. In Romans 10.1, Paul says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. That's our desire as well. Uh, to see the lost get saved and to see those that are, are young in their faith and immature grow to maturity. Those are two areas that we see making disciples are vastly important, greatly important to us. And for both of those goals, we are dependent upon the ordinary means of grace instead of some sales tactic, uh, instead of some emotional manipulation. And, and really, um, really, we wish to be this small link uh, in the chain that Jesus began 2,000 years ago when he gave the Great Commission to the Apostles. Do you remember that? In the book of Matthew, right at the very end, Jesus is speaking. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the, to the, end of the age. We desire um, for us to be a part of that. See, we're in Manhattan to see God bring men and women to the ends of their doubts that they might believe the gospel. A couple years ago, when we began researching this with Travis and John particularly, we, we did a lot of dreaming and hoping towards this. And when we began to research Manhattan, one of the things we learned real quick was this was a town of great transition. Um, you've got Fort Riley. You've got K-State University, which means... Uh, most of the people in this town are only going to live here for a few years of their life. Uh, that's the kind of thing when you, when you tell people that you're planting a church and other pastors, they, they look at that, and that's kind of a scary idea, just endless transition. Uh, and we decided early on, very early, that our vision would be to treat people in transition as if they were not in transition. To not fear building into others, only to have them leave. And instead, our desire has been to see those in transition as people that God has called us to love, to serve, and to disciple just like everybody else. And we've learned that as we help them and learn what it means to love and to serve Christ and His church, our hope and our dream is they take whatever they learn here, whatever experiences they get, whatever God does in their life, and that when they go out of here, that we're able to see them pour into the bigger vision uh, the bigger idea of the large kingdom of God, wherever God might take them. Uh, that as they go from here, so does the message that we, we seek to proclaim that God saves sinners. One of the things we've seen that's been glorious is just how we were surprised, honestly, is how much so many of you in transition, transition just jump in with two feet and get involved. Uh, it has been an absolute blessing for us. Um, you know, come in in transition, yet you come in ready to serve, ready to pour into this congregation, ready to pour into the mission, into the community. Uh, and, and in many ways, it's, it's been this way that we see it's like reinforcements coming in, and it's been wonderful. Uh, I'll say it again, just truly a blessing. And so if you're in Fort, at Fort Riley, if you are uh, at co- in college right now, we are glad you're here. Uh, we could not be more excited that you're a part of this. And so we want to make disciples. Uh, you remember the story that I read earlier from Mark 4 that Jesus tells the man scatter seed. It's the word of God, the gospel, and, and, and then he goes to sleep. 
And he gets up every morning and, until the harvest is ready. What we learn from that is that the word of God will accomplish the work of God. Sometimes it's hard for us to believe that. So we see in God's word, the word of God accomplishes the work of God. That, that means you and I ought to, to be seed scatterers. See, scattering gospel seed to, to men and women in the city, across the university, at Fort Riley, and all the areas around here, uh, that's, that's what we're called to do. What that means is the weight of transforming people is, is off of us. Because you're not asked to transform people. You're asked to plant seeds, but God causes the growth. How do we do it? We simply share the word. And we watch as God gives sight to the blind and destroys doubt in the hearts of those uh, who he seeks to bring the faith, who he will bring the faith. And as we seek to make mature disciples, uh, we do. We have these small groups. We have these, these book studies. And we have children's Sunday school coming up. Uh, and that's going to go for, for eight weeks starting September 20th. And we think it's a great thing. But parents, this is not your child's primary discipleship. You're you are responsible for your children's discipleship. Uh, we're doing this as a way to support your discipleship. We're doing this as a, as a way to, to help children learn that their faith uh, within this greater context of other adults in the faith, other, other children in the faith, and to see the truth that the gospel is, is bigger than just one family. Uh, but parents, uh, as you think through this, being present is not a requirement for your children to participate in this. Uh, but we'd love for you to come to Sunday school to help out the, the leaders who are giving their time in doing this. Uh, to learn what your children are learning so you can build upon that rather than just leaning upon it. And the last thing uh, in this area, this, this basic area, I'll, I'll say this, is, is making disciples is a community process. I think it's easy to think someone above you is supposed to make you a disciple and forget where your role in that is. Um, you know, who are you praying to see come to faith in Christ? A neighbor, a co-worker, a friend? And, and I say this because one of the things that grows us closer together is we're sharing this information with each other. You know, tell someone else in this congregation, you know, I'd love to see my neighbor come to believe the gospel. I might bring them someday, but I'm just praying for them right now. Share that. Let someone else pray with you. Um, you know, also ask yourself, is there someone that you can be pouring into, no matter what level they're at maturity-wise, uh, where you see them as? Uh, take college students into your home. That sounds creepy at first, college students. Calm down, it's for food. Um, you older people, you're going to have to be the active one in this. It would be really weird for these college students to invite themselves over and eat a meal at your house. It would be even weirder if they just showed up and did that. Um, but really, have them into your homes. Uh, with an early worship service coming, uh, you might be able to make a little extra lunch and invite them over, students over that very day, or anyone over that very, very day. Uh, one of the things you'll find is, is just the absolute joy in doing that. Uh, you, you generally don't know that. Some of you do. You've done it already. But just the joy of having that conversation to see where this, this generation is. Uh, you know, particularly all you know about college students is what you read on the news. Uh, it is much more encouraging than what you see on the news, I promise you that. Uh, so, number five, engaged in serving the community. Uh, there's a phrase that's used a lot right now in, in churches everywhere. The phrase is this, in the city, for the city. I believe it was popularized by Tim Keller, but it's been all over the place. Uh, really, it comes from Jeremiah 29.7, and, and there in, in Jeremiah it says this, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf and for its welfare, for, you, uh, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. 
It means we want to be a blessing to the city that God has placed us in. Uh, we love Manhattan, we love K-State, we love Fort Riley, and, and we wish to see them all flourish. We do. Uh, we believe that the presence of, uh, of gospel-motivated men and women is how that flourishing happens, and, and, in, and so we're looking for that to happen. Some, some ways of doing this is, is really just as simple as supporting some of the local, local businesses. Uh, it might sound weird, uh, but these are local people. You go in there, you make relationships with them, and it's just a way to, to encourage in that way. Uh, part of this is just being present in the communities God has you on campus, various organizations, in the public school at Flint Hills Christian School, uh, in the homeschool community here in town. These are uh, communities for you to go out and function in, and we want you to do that. We look forward to that. Uh, really the greatest testament to the work that God is doing to the ministry of this covenant community is when people encounter you and they see someone who genuinely loves God and genuinely loves their neighbor. That's what we want. See, I put signs out all around town. Uh, you might have seen them here and there. Every once in a while someone runs them over or steals them. I don't know why they do that. But uh, I'll put these signs out. And, and what I found, that Gail actually came from a sign, but uh, most of you have not come from these signs. You'd be surprised how unmotivating a sign on the side of the street is. Most of you have ended up here, as, as I've learned, is because you've met someone who goes here and they've invited you here. And I'm guessing the people you met you didn't think was a real big jerk or you probably wouldn't have even come here. Um, that's the way this works. When we show hospitality and generosity and just simple kindness and, and maybe... Um, Really, you know, especially when we seek forgiveness, when we've sinned against someone because of our own selfishness, our own pride. When, when we begin to see that, uh, we see the gospel. We, we believe that um, the gospel that we believe, rather, makes an impact in the community that we live. So the one thing we wanted to be careful about as a church is not creating so many programs that your whole life is, is here doing church things all the time. And I'm sure we're going to have varying degrees of success and failure of that. There's going to be times we're going to have to cut back on stuff and otherwise. But, but the truth is, we don't want you to live in some church bubble your whole life. It's an intentional goal. Because we want you to have time to be in your community, to serve your community, serve with your community. See, I only recently learned about this, and I love that I didn't know about this before. Uh, I'm just fine that I do. But uh, Hannah and Danielle go out each week, and they deliver food through, through meals for Meals on Wheels, I think that's what it's called. Uh, and it gives me absolute joy just to know that this is happening. Um, every once in a while I hear about these involvement of people, and I just think it's fantastic that we're doing that. We have people that are involved with the community meals in town, which serve breakfast and, and, and dinner to the homeless or those that are facing some other financial hardships at that time. Uh, Sarah's done a great job of helping us see how even fashion can be a blessing to those in need uh, with Noonday. Uh, Hannah did the same with, with Soul Hope recently. Our church t-shirts, in fact, through Chris, are, are helping those uh, facing poverty in, in Haiti. Uh, we have people who have served with Life Choice, Life Choice Ministries and Flint Hills Bread Basket and the Women's Shelter. And, uh, and, and I just love it. I, I love it when we're serving in the community and with the community and for the good of the community. And, and not in the name of Manhattan Press, but in the name of, of Christ. You might wonder, that's why we don't have our own service opportunities here. We want you in the ones that exist. We want you serving along people that might care about helping the needy but don't know Christ. And so that's, that's the way we're looking for this to happen, and I just love it when I hear about that. And again, this is not to guilt you if you're not. You're not a second-rate citizen. 
But you're also missing out on some amazing joy that comes from that. I, I mentioned in the Paris group the other night, but just uh, I, I went down to serve at the community meal and I didn't want to go. I thought there are other things to do. Uh, I have, I'm busy and I'm tired. And the last thing I want to do is go serve a bunch of people. And, and I went anyway. And, and to my amazement, it was me who got the joy out of it. Uh, by the time I got home, I was exhausted. When I was going, I was telling Laura, this is the last time I'm going. I'm quitting after this. And by the time I got back, I was like, nope, we're going back in five weeks. And uh, that's, that's the way it is. That's why we tell you this. It's not to go make you do something you don't want to do. It's because you get joy when you serve in the name of Christ. That's a wonderful thing. And so, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll say this. We need your service in church. We need it for setup. We need it for cleanup, for sound, for music, for nursery, for all sorts of other things. But we desire intentionally not to dominate your time because we want you to have the opportunity to get to know your neighbors, to actually meet them, to, to be around this town, involved in other communities. Do that. That's part of your service in the name of Christ in your life. It doesn't have to be in the name of Manhattan Press. Uh, and so the last core value we list here is, is active in church planting and, and mission sending. Uh, this is on our core values list because we believe that God loves the church and has ordained her to be his agent of redemption in the world. Uh, we see church planting as an important strategy for growing and multiplying disciples of Christ and for increasing the overall impact uh, of the gospel in Kansas and, and wherever else you might go. Um, we ourselves are, are still in the early stages. We're a church plan ourselves. We're not sustained financially uh, from local giving yet. I, you know, every year I still have to go out and do support raising in order to, to meet our budget. But um, <clears throat> we also don't have a, a local session yet. That's why Steve's here today, because he's one of the guys who has given up his time to not just serve on some other church's session, but also to serve in our session, uh, because we need that wisdom. We need that leadership. Uh, thank you, Steve. I'd send you a card, but it's awkward right now. Um, but we put this here and we put it on paper because we want to make clear from the very beginning that there's a clear commitment that we will help other churches be established in the same way that churches in Wichita and churches in and Kansas City have helped establish this church. Uh, and, and that same thing is true of missionaries. We desire to support those who are going with the gospel to other places. And that might mean they're going to some country across the entire world. But it also might mean those that are going to the campus of K-State. It's, you know, we see it here in our own congregation. We've got uh, John Dunning and, and Sam and Leslie Cassing and uh, David and Katie Harding. These are people that are looking to be on the campus of K-State. Why? Because there's lost people there. Because there's people that need to hear the gospel. And, and, and so we're looking to, to support in that way. Uh, I can tell you all those names I just listed would be absolutely ecstatic if any of you wanted to help support them. Uh, personally, and so I'd encourage you, if that's true, if you talk to them, I guarantee none of them are going to turn you down at that opportunity. Um, so our hope and our prayer with this core value then is to foster a biblical view uh, and a love for the kingdom of God that goes beyond just this one congregation. It's easy as a church to become inward focused, to think, well, we need this building, and we need this now, we need this ministry, and we need this. And, and, and so we put this in here because we want us to constantly think, large kingdom, big kingdom, not just small kingdom. So uh, I got to tell you, it's difficult to summarize this. Uh, I'm going to try to bring it to a close here because uh, if you haven't already, you're going to be tempted to zone me out here in a minute. I don't like you to do that. Um, you might have noticed here that we don't have a mission statement. I've, I've interacted with pastors who buy these books and they spend all this time coming up with this perfect mission statement. It's like, 10 to 20 words long, and, and I've also found that no one ever remembers them, ever. Laura and I went to a church in Dallas, and they had these three C's, celebrate, communicate, and we can never remember the last one. 
So we just throw whatever C word we could think in there. And there's a lot of weird C words. Uh, uh, but you never remember them. And, and so, you know, the truth is it's, it's almost impossible to come up with some unique thing that anyone's going to remember. So we're not going to be unique here. Uh, if you want a good way to summarize this, a good way to think about it, uh, if you want a stated mission statement, uh, we're just going to plagiarize Jesus. That's okay, I believe. Um, to take the two great commandments that he gives and pair those with the great commission that he gives after his resurrection. Uh, we put it in the words, it would say something like this, we exist to love God, love our neighbors, and make disciples. I don't expect you to remember that word for word, but because of what they're connected to, I think you might remember it. In general, we exist to love God, love our neighbors, and make disciples. Okay, so uh, now you've seen the six core values uh, that we've identified. Uh, these are things that shape who we are. Uh, these are things that really we hope will shape who we become as a church further. Um, but putting them on paper, this is a key part, putting them on paper does not make them a reality. Uh, me standing here and telling you what they are does not make them a reality. They're no more true than they were 10 minutes ago, right? Um, covenant community, serving others, gathering for worship, these things don't become a reality, and so we're all working towards these goals together. We put them out here before you because we want you on board with this. We want you thinking, yes, let's do this. Uh, see, it's not a company that we, we're not a company, we're a church. Uh, you're not a consumer. This is a, a family, a covenant family, uh, under the covenant of grace, redeemed by the blood of Christ, and unless everyone rows the boat, we're not going to get there. So it actually takes some buy-in. Uh, I want you to go home tonight. I want you to think about these. I want you to think about your, your place in this, where, uh, what your role in this is. You know, start thinking about what, what you can do to make this community great. We've got a great thing here right now. Um, I mean, I always think back to that phrase. It's like you guys fellowship like you really like each other. I think we do. I mean, that's, I love it. Um, keep it up. Uh, be careful we don't get so stuck on our, ourself on our own agendas that we keep this unity. One of the things when we went through Philippians that we saw over and over again was this call for the church to be unified. Uh, nothing destroys any, any group, particularly the church, more than getting away from that simple message of unity. Uh, if John gets up here in a minute, you're going to see the very thing we're unified in is Christ. Um, not in my ideas, not in your ideas. Uh, we're unified in, in the blood of Christ being poured out for us. Uh, so, you in? You don't have to commit right now. You did, though. I love it. Josiah's in. All right. So let's, uh, let's pray. God, help us not to depend on hype or marketing strategies as we pursue the Great Commission to make disciples. Instead, give us patience and give us confidence to depend upon the means that you have given us. Make us faithful to pray for others, to show hospitality to others, to, to read and to know and to share your word, knowing that the Holy Spirit can give faith to believe all that it says that you are for us. Lord, I ask that you give us great unity. I ask that you give us patience with each other, love for each other. I ask that you give us great joy in coming together to, to worship you. God, I thank you that you've, you've freed us to worship you. Thank you for uh, the love you've given us. I thank you for this church body, God. Um, you've been so good to us. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Savior. Amen.